and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart, and today we're going to talk about playing. See, playing is learning. If it's true for kids, why wouldn't it be true for adults? So that's why today we're thrilled to have play expert Clay Drinko on the podcast to talk about how play can be so good for our brains, good for our mental health, health, and maybe make us better problem solvers. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Let's just get right into it. Enjoy. Hello, Dr. Drinko. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Hannah. I am so, so excited about this. I have been a fan for a really, really, really long time. So I'm oh, so Oh, hooray. This. I hope I don't phenomenally disappoint you. <laughs> uh, well, wait. Uh, so um, how should I refer to you, uh, sir? Would you like me to refer to you as Clay, Miss, Dr. Drinko, Mr. Mr. Piddle Paddle? I, I don't think, know. <laughs> I think Miss Dr. Drinko. No, I think... Miss Dr. Uh, Drinko. <laughs> I think Clay is totally fine. That's why my students call me... Clay is good. Awesome. Awesome. So are you are you a teacher, Clay? I am. I teach middle school humanities. Oh, wow, really? Yes, yes. Oh my God, those monsters. <laughs> oh, that must be terrifying. Oh it's, my God. It's actually During- incredible. It's incredible. It's such a uh, time of transformation for people, yeah. uh, which is why it's so difficult. It's such a struggle because that's what transformation is. So I, I think that's why I'm drawn to it. Also, because that was such a tough time in my life. Mm. I want to be the teacher that sort of brings out people's best and encourages them to be kind and and connected. So I find it super fulfilling and rewarding. Although challenging at times. Although challenging. (laughs) Middle school is uh, is such a significant time and it, it like... It is such a, I think everyone is like, oh yeah, middle school. And it's just the weight of it, the heaviness, you know, it's that, it's really kind of like that transitioning out of little kid into younger person, child kid that everybody's mad at for some reason, because you don't know how to function in the world yet. And then by high school, you're supposed to have figured it all out is I think the basic idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there's a, it's kind of similar for me as toddlers. Like they want so much independence so quickly mm. and they can't handle it, but you kind of have to negotiate with them. Wow. You know, here, yeah. here's the independence you can have. And it's that it's, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting time where you want to be a grown up, but you don't have all the tools yet. And teaching, I think you said history, right? Yeah, like humanities? Like hi- history, history in ELA, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, wow. Where do you begin to start to teach quote unquote history? It's like the importance of reflection. Like it's important to know your history. Otherwise you're doomed to repeat it, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think also I'm interested in it. I, I didn't set out to be a history teacher. I came from a theater background and acting. So I was a theater teacher and an ELA teacher. And then the history part for me is I'm super into and I didn't know I would be. Um, mm. I really focused on local history and civic engagement and, and current events so that we're These learning. Snaps are for you. Yeah. This is not me testing my microphone. <laughs> this is me giving snaps. <laughs> because then it, it, it's not just reading from a textbook. It actually matters. Like we need to learn how the Constitution is set up. Because that matters to us today. Yeah, um, it's, it's the think, broad strokes and the locality, right? So it's like, yeah. here you go. We live 
here's how our country's set up, and here's how the state we live in set up is set up, and then here's how the county we live in is set up, yeah. and then as it, I think teaching the people, like young people, to really think about their environment as a participant in it mm-hmm. is. Uh, really important. So, ch- cheers to you. Is Drinko really your last name? <laughs> Drinko is really my last name. When I was an actor, I, I you know I went and auditioned, and the person checking me in at the you know at the front desk was like mm-hmm. Clay Drinko. Really good stage name. <laughs> like, oh my god! Thank you. But you like... That's my real name. That it's a, I mean, yeah. It, it's supposed uh... to be like Austro-Hungarian. Allegedly. Ah, so would you say Drinko? Yeah, like uh, I come from like a Mikhail Drinko. Ah, I see. Yeah. Ah, there <laughs> yeah. it is. Uh, and then now you are Dr. Drinko. Are yes. you a doctor? <laughs> I have yes. to stop now, otherwise I'll never stop. <laughs> see, this is the importance of play. Exactly. Uh, oh, but tell me, okay, so our, our, so you go by Dr. Drinko. Um, give me a little bit of background into how you've entered into the play space and how you came up with the idea for your book play your way sane which i have to get a copy of immediately uh right now (laughs) that's i'm like play your way sane boy would i (laughs) yeah exactly it came out uh strangely it wasn't written as a pandemic book but it came out in that time Mm. and it seems like it was written specifically for humans who have not had social interaction for a long time it's sort of like a how to people book um, but how did I go down this path? I, I stumbled onto improv when I was in college. I really fell in love with it as a socially anxious and generally anxious person. Um, because once I got really into it, I was not anxious when I was on stage. I was wow. contributing. I was, I was funnier than I was in real life. I was, I was like the best version of myself that wow. I could have imagined. Um, and so I wanted to figure out like, what was it about improv that allowed me to be so free and to not, not have that anxiety. And so when I went back to grad school to get my PhD in drama and theater studies, okay, not, got it. Not, PhD not, in drama yeah. and theater studies, yeah, got it, not got psychology. It. I'm not a medical doctor, nothing like that. Um, I, when I went to do my dissertation, I wanted to answer that question of like, what is it about improv? And mm-hmm. I thought there would be tons written about how improv affects the mind, how improv affects the brain. Um, and there was a bit about musical improv, mm-hmm. um, but not theatrical improv or improv comedy. And so I wrote my dissertation about that question, connecting psychology and cognitive science with improv comedy. And um, people were really into that idea. And it became an academic book. So I wrote kind of the first academic book connecting improv comedy and psychology and, and cognitive science. And so I wrote that book. Here I am. Like, I'm, I'm an expert. I did it. Like, now I know how to change my brain and, and not be anxious. <laughs> Yay. Um, oh, no. Who told no. you that? Yeah, that, <laughs> it didn't pan out. So I no. moved back to Manhattan and uh, was not doing well, right? I was like... Not good with crowds, which is not good for someone who lives in New York City. I yeah. was just stressed out all the time. I was constantly just ruminating, constantly in my head, not at all enjoying the present moment. And so that's when I set out to sort of translate all of this academic work that I had done for me so that I could walk out of my front door and not 
just like panic and like a cold sweat of like all the people and how they're judging me and just, you know, totally not being in the moment. And so that's what play your way saying was. And I really wrote it for me. Uh, I know that might sound cheesy, but it was like, I need a tool so that I can feel this free improv, like play, you know, spirit, but I can feel that every day. And so I, I sort of set out to do that and I wrote it over a seven year period and then mm-hmm. sent it off to someone and they were like, actually, this is great and we want to publish it. So that's that story. That's that story. And then now you're like, yes, yes, I'm a published <laughs> author, Dr. Drinko. Yeah. And yes, I teach these kids. So they have no idea. They, have, <laughs> they don't even know. What a great teacher they have, but they will reflect on it, I'm sure, in years to come. Uh, well, let's, um, I would like to, before we take a break, I want to ask you a quick question, just because something that you said um, really struck me, which was that you felt more, you, you felt as a self-described anxious person, generally, um, that being on stage or being in theater or doing improv, uh, it, you felt more free. And what do you think it is? Is it the permission is it the, like, what do you think the difference is between walking down the street and walking across the stage? I think you the know? main, the main thing for me, the main takeaway is that it's a shift in focus. Um, so it gave me tools to shift away from focusing on myself to mm. focusing really intensely and intently on other people. Mm. Um, and so for me, acting and improv are these exercises, these experiments in how I can really, like, I have to focus on the other person. Yeah. And if I do that 100%, I cannot be thinking about, do I look stupid? Do I sound stupid? Um, right. Are they judging me? Um, so I think that's, that's like the main ingredient is this shift in focus. Okay. Wow. Great. Um, let's bottle that and sell it. And we'll talk about that. Uh, but we'll get back to that uh, right after this. And we'll hear more about the power of play and really what ways it can benefit your life after this quick break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And we're back! Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're here, if you're just tuning in uh, to this podcast, yeah. we're here yeah. with Dr. Clay Draco talking about the importance of play. Okay, why is play important? Play is, like you said earlier, how we learn. Um, and play offers Let's a... start there. Why is play how we learn? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know I said it, but is it true? (laughs) It is true. Um, I think with play, stakes are lower. Like we are allowed to make mistakes. We are allowed to be in this 
um, experimental mindset um, and and mess up and and be okay. Like if you think of animals playing, you know they can maybe play play fight and nip a little too hard, and then the other one like sort of nips back, and it's like oh lesson learned, don't nip that hard, right? Huh. So the learning is sort of a part of the the playing, and I think people have that same need, right? Like I know if I am needing to learn something and the stakes feel really high. Like if I don't get this right, my marriage could be over or my job could be on the line, right? If, if that's what it feels like, yeah. I am not going to be operating in a space where I can like be using the full capacity of my mind, right? Like right. I am defensive. I'm like fight or flight. Um, and so I think play offers us this lower stakes spirit and, and energy. It's so interesting as you say that, it strikes me, you know, I never did team sports um, or theater or, um, though I did sign up for an improv class. Yes. I'm signing yes. up. I've got to, I've got to, yes. but it's crippling. It's very anxiety inducing. It's, it's weird. I feel like I have the like opposite response in that walking around the world and everyday life feels like play. But then when it's like, okay, everybody, here's our structured play experience. Um, I start to panic. I get really nervous, you know, like, uh, like for instance, when we were doing, I started this sketch, took this sketch writing class. I had the first like three hour session. And don't you hate when you're being taught by someone who's not a teacher and they don't have like a structure or anywhere. And they're just talking for yeah. like, and you're just like, and we took a 45 minute break. And I was like, this is $350. What is happening? Why is there 45 minutes of break? Anyway, um, that's my review. I'm changing classes. Anyway, um, but in that environment, we were doing like a who, what, where, loosening up exercise, a conversation between two people, this, that, this, that. And, by, and then um, when it got to me, it was like uh, the, the where moment. Um, I just panicked and I totally blanked and I had absolutely no idea what to say. Do you, know? you, do you think you know where that comes from? Like, were you trying to be funny? Were you trying to be good? Or I think I was just like, where? <laughs> you know, and you're just like, excuse me. It just, feel, it just feels like, it just feels like... Um, I just avoid, like, creativity has always been such a subconscious experience for me yeah. that trying to shift it into the conscious focus is hard. Like, I'm very much the shower thoughts kind of, like, I get my best ideas while I'm washing dishes or in the shower or folding laundry. I'm really one of those secondary task relaxed people, and I think that I should have, I did not have any of my fidget tools with me at the time. And so I think that was probably a factor because I assumed, oh, this is going to be fun and interesting and entertaining. I don't need to play with my slinky or fiddle with my Rubik's Cube or I don't need to like do any of that. And I was wrong. No, I was wrong. I think just like my social interaction tools still applied. That's you know? really interesting because I, I, your access to that subconscious creativity is why a lot of people go into improv. And take classes like that. So like whatever, whatever gives you access to that, you already have it. So you need to figure out what class is going to allow you to just go in and just do the thing. Like just, just be yourself. And if the where doesn't happen, truly who cares? Like there are yeah. no mistakes in improv. Yeah. Um, and I think you, a, a good teacher will sort of guide the class based on, I, I, I don't know. I don't know this person. I don't know this school. I don't know. But you should hopefully you'll find someone who will 
take people wherever they are and, yeah. and go at the pace that needs to happen. Yeah, my my I un so after the after the break. I unplugged my headphones so my wife could hear because I wanted a secondary opinion, but I didn't say anything about it. I just did it. I was like, I'm going to unplug my headphones, honey. You know, um, she was just reading a book on the bed. We were like, you know, we were on vacation. Well, we were just on vacation. But anyway, so I unplugged my headphones. I do the remaining hour and a half of the class and uh, it stops. And I was like, I did it. I did a class. How great. And she was like, I don't know if that's for you. <laughs> it's also I mean- like, it's also like the, the, I mean, frankly, like, like it's also just uh, when the like kind of like heteronormative narrative, like the we just don't have the same kind of humor, um, yeah. and even like the casual terminology used to describe people and genders and places and stuff. I, I mean, there were fra- he used a phrase and everyone laughed, and I was like, "That's disgusting to me." So <laughs> you know, I will say so. I I uh, encounter this. I struggle with this as a gay man who talks a lot about improv comedy. Improv does have a straight white man. Let's say problem, right? Let's say problem. And I was being <laughs> taught by one, and he yeah. he used the term raw dogging. Oh boy! Yeah. yeah. So there, I was, I was, the, it just took me completely out yeah, of it. So I th- yeah. and then it's like where, and I'm like. France. Yeah, because it's not only it's not only the the words that are being said that are taking you out of it, but it's also I think the the style of the teaching, right? Like that might work with a group of you know twenty two year old sort of hipstery white guys with that same kind of a humor, but I think that's why I'm really interested in the improv principles themselves, mm. is because if we look at those and and we don't sort of I don't know. Apply if we don't our teach... social, like societal standards on top of them, but really just kind of like get in touch with our core humanity. Like I, it, it, it's, yeah. it feels like it's so close. Like I feel yeah. like I'm so close to unlocking how to feel safe in these spaces, but I don't. And so it's like, it's kept me away from those play experiences. Yeah. I think finding the right, class is really really important and this was was this also like online oh yeah I think that's another component um for me I really and I know a lot of people do improv classes online I'm not saying don't do it but for me personally like there is something about a real face-to-face thing that shifts both when I'm talking to someone on the street and Mm -hmm. when I'm in an improv class so that Mm -hmm. may be like I don't know of any I don't know of any studies on improv and its effects on like anxiety yeah. Online. Yeah. Like virtually. But there are studies like when you're really in a room with someone. And think of it also as like exposure therapy. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of it as, actually. You know what that's I mean? what I, and that's yeah. what I said. Cause you know, my wife had said, like, no, we're gonna find you a different class. And she goes on Reddit and ultimately she found a teacher that I think is more in line with um my values. Uh and the, so I think that's gonna be great. I still have to drop the other one. But uh I was like, I survived it. I was like, no, no, no. I, honey, really, like, I'm so proud of myself. And she's like, no, I'm really proud of you too. And, you know, it doesn't have to be so painful. And I'm like, but it's exposure therapy, right? Like, I live alone. Like, I mean, I live and work by myself. Like, it's important for me to be exposed to these environments. She's like, sure. But like, but don't you want to like get to the skills and then you can do the, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, because honestly, and I'm so sorry, we're going to get back to you because you are the center of this. No, 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 no. But I, I was like, what do you, she was like, I don't think you need to put yourself through that. And I was like, no, I survived it. I just wrote hell over and over again in my notebook. 
I was just like, hell, hell, I'm in hell. And I was like, I wrote snooze really big. I was like, see, I did it. I got through it. it I looked like I was really taking notes. <laughs> but even, even the taking notes thing, like, yeah. I, like in, a, in an intro improv class, uh, you know, when it works, like yeah. you do feel really supported. You do feel like no matter what you do or say, like it is going to be fine. The stakes are super low. Like I lower my status when I'm teaching so that um, students are sort of elevated. So what that, do you, that what, what do you mean by that? In improv parlance, um, lowering status or raising your status isn't about your actual status, like in the economy or anything like that. <laughs> okay. it's, it's about how you are, are coming across. So it has to do with body language. It has oh. to do with like expertise, right? So if I'm like crossing my arms and sort of holding my chest out and, and my nose up and saying like, and, and saying, like, I'm Dr. Drinko, which I never use Dr. Drinko, right? I'm like, I'm Clay. And I, I will sort of intentionally make some mistakes. Mm. Uh, I, tr- I try to really be relaxed so that I, I might stumble with my words or I notoriously forget what the names of the games are called, even the ones that I've invented. Um, and that's, like, part of me lowering my status where other people are like, wow, this guy's sort of bumbling and, and struggling mm. a bit. I'm going to step up and I'll volunteer, you know, to, yeah. to move this thing along. And so you want to find maybe not a teacher that does things exactly like that, but yeah. there are all different ways for teachers to make students feel more comfortable. And I think in an yeah. intro improv class, that's, that's it. Like you wouldn't say, for instance, to ask someone to volunteer uh, and then to volunteer what they wrote during the exercise and then immediately start the break. Yeah, no, Clay, I it, think you might be a good teacher, my friend, which makes me very curious about your book. Okay, so let's, let, let's, we have to, we must thank you so much for hearing me and you're right. And there are good teachers out there and I'm, I'm excited to continue to pursue this avenue. And I'm happy that I survived it. And I'm really curious to hear about more elements of play and, and to bring it, bring it back to what this podcast is about. You know, but it's all, it is also about this. I write a lot in my book about um, making it not about me, right? Like when I'm interacting with someone, I put the focus on them so that they will talk and they will talk until they are done talking instead of what happens, I think, a lot in this day and age, <laughs> like I'm like 80 years old in this day and age where people say like, oh, like I'm really tired. You know, my back's really sore today. And someone else says, well, last week I actually went to the doctor and I they looked that. at me, not about yeah, you. I and know, I think yeah. we do things like that all the time. Um, and so a, a big part of my book is like how to be human again, how, how to connect with people. And a lot of that is not thinking of myself as special, not thinking like what I say is the most important, but really trying to put as much of it on the other people as possible so that they feel open and, and want to talk and talk and talk. So that's yeah. sort of one of the aims of the book. Almost a relief. Let's say, let's say you're someone who struggles with, with feeling special in your own life. And you should. You should be, the, you should be special to you, you know? Yes. But yes. This, it sounds like the, the play environment you're describing or the, the, the improv environment or et cetera is an environment in which that reflex to put the focus on other people is appropriate it's like the best use of that superpower it's like no just really just deeply listen and be present I think that was another thing that took me back was just like 
It's just like 12 miserable faces, just unresponsive staring yeah. into the, I mean, I'm just like, I don't know how you do it as a teacher, man. Cause I can't imagine, like, I, I don't know. It's just who I am. I reflect active listening. Like if there is, if someone's talking to me, I'm like, I am, refle- I am here. I am listening to you. And so seeing all the faces not listening was very distracting also. But then I was like, well, am I really listening? Cause I'm very distracted by all these miserable faces. But I think that's, that's, that's my job as a teacher. Like if I see a a room full of miserable people, I am stopping what I'm doing. Yeah. And you're like, okay, everybody. Something else. Yes. Yes. Truly, truly. I mean, it it doesn't have to be miserable. Like I teach academic writing. I teach essay writing. That's not all I do, but that's a part of it. I want them to be able to write like a historian. Right. Right. And even that is, is a sort of joyful, interesting. Exuberant. yeah, there's struggle in it. People get really frustrated. Um, but that reading the room thing is so, so important. Like, it, uh, there's no reason to have 12, like, just really bummed out faces when you're supposed to be doing something that's so silly and, and joyful and playful. I, yeah. And there is room in all education, I think, to bring that let's wake up into this experience type feeling. And, would you say that play is an access point for that? Like a, hey, let's just get present. Yeah, yeah, it can be. I mean, there's two different ways to think about it. Some people use improv and play in, in like inserted into the, the day, right? Like let's do an improv game so that we can get more focused. And, and, and could you we'll give a quick example it. of a game just for anybody who is unfamiliar with what games are in improv? Yeah, like a warm-up game in improv that's the most famous probably. It's called Zip Zap Zop. Um, there's regional differences, I'm sure. But it's just you Blip, sort of... Plop, plop, mit, mit, mop. Then dip, 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 In Minnesota, yes. Yeah. So, I think <laughs> you, <laughs> you just look at someone, you sort of like indicate with your hand, and you say zip. And then the person who gets zipped at, you know, points to someone else and says zop, zip, zap, zop, zip, zap, zop, and it goes around and around. And it's truly just a way to look at each other focus on each other um and the other sort of famous Im- famous in improv circles warm-up game i call it call it like you seize it i don't know what it's really called but you just walk around the room you point at things and you just say what they are right so you know you just say book magazine computer three hole punch water right and on and on and on oh it's kind of and- like a grounding exercise exactly exactly i was just saying that in therapy like there's a way to get grounded um, using colors in the room, you know, it's like how many, like, for instance, if I were to do it right now, if I felt like I was, if my hands were suddenly very far from my body, I could count the number of yellow objects in the room. And that would be a way of, and then if you don't feel present yet, you move on to, okay, what about the number of red objects in the room? What about the number of green objects? And then at some point you're like, oh no, I feel, I feel human again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that is shifting your focus, which sort of shifts your brain to be operating in a way that feels more comfortable, right? It feels mm-hmm. like, you know, it's the opposite of ruminating. It's the opposite right. of anxiety. It's the opposite of that sort of untethered feeling because my, all of our conscious brains cannot do that many things. Really, they can do like a thing at a time. So if I'm grounding myself and looking at the colors, counting something, I cannot also be thinking my therapist thinks I'm a whack job or, <laughs> or whatever it is, right? I truly have to I can only do the one thing and that's focus on the present moment. Um, and so, so that is, there's all, and there's so much wow. overlap between 
therapeutic games and improv games and acting games and um, because they do the same thing. They do a similar thing and that's really shifting the focus. Yeah. So that's, that's one approach. And then the other approach is to use improv principles like in the teaching itself, right? Like I, I think about how can I yes and with, with my students, which means like going along with what they're saying and then adding on, which sounds like maybe your teacher didn't do, right? Didn't go along with whatever your scene was. And say like, okay, this is what you did, right? I saw this. Really like acknowledging what's happening and then adding more onto that. So so you can do the two things. You can add improv and play through exercises or you can try to sort of walk the walk and use the improv principles in how you teach. So it's the Mm. what and the how. Here's a question I have about yes anding. So if someone was like, I'm trying to yes and this person shares in the group um, in a game or something like, oh, I hurt my back or I'm feeling sore today. And then another person says, well, I got blah, blah, blah last week. What's the difference between that and like a yes and response? I mean, yes and how I teach yes and um, in an improv class is through the exercise called yes and. And it, it, there's a lot of repetition in it, a lot of repeating what people are saying. So if you said to me, my back is really sore I would say, yes, your back is really sore. And uh, I heard you went to the doctor yesterday. And then you would say, yes, I went to the doctor. Or no, yes, you heard heard that I went to the doctor yesterday. And the doctor said it's chronic. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But see, I think that that is a really crucial aspect of yes and the reflective listening that show like, but in if your and can embody that, great. But like that, yes, this is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. I heard you say this. Like that first part that like lives in parentheses um, is that focus, yeah. I think, that you're talking about. You it's know? more, Yeah, it's more about validating, right? It's like, this is your reality. I heard you say this thing. Mm. And of course, when once you get going and you get better at improv, you're not actually saying yes, repeat, and but it helps you to get more into the spirit of what it's supposed to be instead of, you know, it, it's definitely not just saying yes to everything, right? right? Like my, my favorite example of that is if my scene partner says, um, you know, you, you, you're that, you're that serial killer. Like I might say like me, <laughs> oh, I'm not the serial yeah. killer, right? So I, I'm saying no, but I'm but going along with their reality. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, that feel and it feels very affirming and it feels very fun and it feels it feels very silly. It's like when you're talking to kids, you know, and kids say something or they're like, this is, you know, they just walk over and they make this statement about this toy. And it's so easy with children for some reason to engage in their reality or engage in their play, you know. And you're like, uh, you know, they come over and they're like, bring over an airplane or bring over Mm -hmm. a a robot. And they're like, this is the destructor. And you're like, whoa, hey there, destructor. What do you do? And it's like, I destruct. And it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, you know, and you're just there, you know. I think it's such a good example of and I I have an exercise in the book that is in the mistakes, like being okay with mistakes. And it is watching kids just be themselves right and i think they also teach us yes and like you said really really well because they don't have that layer of like no right like this is the destructor 
there's nothing in their nature yet to say like, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, and so I think often no. If they've been socialized. <laughs> yeah. If but, they're by themselves and they're the only yeah. kid in the house. I, I've met a couple yeah. toddlers that say no. I, I, I'm, well, I, you no, know, I'm not going to They say lie. no, but not to that like imaginative yeah. play, right? Yes, yeah. And yeah. so I think often adults will say no to protect themselves from uncertainty, from the unknown. Right, which, or take control of a reality that's not even theirs. Right, which is a losing battle, right? Mm. We cannot take away uncertainty and we don't have control, right? And so I think... Looking at how little kids yes and is such a good way to help us know how to do it because you're right. Like my, you know, my daughter all the time will say like, this book is about hamsters and these hamsters go to space, right? And and she can go on and on and on because you can also yes and yourself, mm-hmm. right? You can also she could say, actually no, hamsters don't go to space. But but Boo. that what she would do? No, yeah, right. Game yeah. over. It truly shuts it all down. Um, and it also, you know, when you don't yes and it's more likely to lead to conflict. That's why it's a rule in improv because it avoids this, you know, this person said this, no, it's this, no, it's this, this back and forth conflict. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just gets past it. And the Mm. goal is to then get to the, what they say is the heart of the scene, right? Ha ha ha. Heart of the scene. Hey, hey, hey. Drinko of the scene. (laughs) But the idea is. If, if we get past it, you know, fighting about, you know, did you buy the blueberries, which doesn't matter, then we can get on to the relationship of the scene. And that's yeah. what people really want to watch, right? Of like, you know, oh, this, this couple is struggling. Are they going to get a divorce? Oh, they really love each other. But if they just say like, I bought the blueberries. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Like boring, right? In so that it, shared reality, the blueberries either are present in the house or they have been yeah. forgotten. Like what is happening? Yeah. You know, it doesn't, like it doesn't, it doesn't make matter. sense. It's like, yeah. like what's, yeah, no, that's, that's, it's fair. I'm so excited. Um, I believe we're going to try out some exercises from your book. Okay. You're going to share a couple of them. Okay. Um, and we will get to that next thrilling part of the show <laughs> right after this. And we're back, you know, we're back um, talking with Clay Drinko. Clay, I just have to reflect, you're, you're just such a natural and such a pro and like just, oh my gosh, your students are so lucky to have you as a teacher. It's oh, thank you. like, even as a, I interview a lot of people, like even in the, like doing an interview or having a conversation with someone, you can tell when they're participating or yeah. when they're just receiving like waiting for more questions kind of thing. And so I just wanted to say that, like, I really think you're just such a natural and maybe you should have a podcast someday. Oh, you know? thank yeah, you. It's, it's, it's interesting that you say that, not the podcast part, but, yeah, but the natural part, because yeah. it's not, right? I think that's, the, for me, the interesting part is like, mm. I don't have that ability that you have to just interact with people and feel not in my head. And so this all comes from all that work that I've been doing over years and years to like shift my focus to the other people so that Mm -hmm. I can be myself, which is so interesting, I think. I think so too. No, it's really wonderful. Something that I'm reminded of in terms of the yes and conversation we we just had is um, Twitch and my like chat space and my chat community because I realized that one of the reasons it's so fun is that everyone's doing bits just everyone's just in the chat doing bits, making jokes, la la la. And like, you know, I, I, I'm like doing the show part, but everyone's getting to communicate and participate and one up and like, or not one up, but like just riff with each other, you know? Yeah. And 
I feel like for people who maybe don't have access to other like-minded community members, especially people in the queer spaces, um, being a part of an online community, it kind of gives you that like socialization too, you know? And um, for those listening, I'm typing and shimmying my shoulders as if I'm saying some quippy reply, you know? <laughs> but it's all very positive. It's, it is yes anding, you know? So it's fun. That's great. Yeah, because it, it, I do think it's important to have a community where you know that everyone has your back. Like you, you, you know, because to be in the queer community, like we do have our own sort of language, right? Yeah. Like, like I face that in the... Our understanding of human rights. <laughs> if you will. Like people's ownership over their own bodies or whatever. Yeah. Like you can't really be a queer person and haven't done any therapy so that you can survive, Truly. you know? Yeah. But that it's like you go into straight spaces and you're like, oh my God. Why would you say that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it is like this. I, I do think it's important to have those spaces where you 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 don't have to be self-conscious, right? You, you can just riff because, again, you can't do the two things at once, right? You can't worry about, um, you know, am I safe here? Like, are they, are people, do people not like people like me in this space? Like, you can't possibly have that kind of stress and also... Be like, I'm so clever, witty, witty thing. You know, like you truly have to create a safe space, whether it's a, you know, an in-person improv class or one of my classes or, you know, on, on Twitch, you said? Twitch. I'm, I'm... Yeah. Twitch. It's a, okay. it's fascinating. It's like a live show platform. It's very fun. Oh, that's so fun. I'm writing it down because yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm of a certain age. Of a certain <laughs> age. Oh, you can do anything on there. Sometimes I garden. Sometimes I cook. Sometimes I play games. Sometimes I, I cry. Sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes it's a too late in the night that I delete it the next day. You know, sometimes it's like, let's go there. I have my ukulele. Let's sing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Is it, does it skew younger? I'm always trying to stay hip with the... Twitch you know. is um, primarily like a gaming platform. So you've probably heard it the most as oh, a okay. gaming platform. Okay. Um, but it is kind of expanding in terms of how people use it. I, I think of it more as just a live performance platform yeah. with really excellent audience participation built in. So okay. um, it's twitch.tv. And if you're curious about me, it's twitch.tv slash this heart of mine. Got it. I think next year I'll just change it to Hannah Hart, though. I mean... Gotta, gotta make the bucks. Gotta make those bucks. Okay, speaking of making bucks, let's motivate people to check out your book. Uh, Clay, if you are comfortable either reading a portion of your book or doing a game from your book, I'd love to like, um, see, how you, see how you wrote it to be used for yourself or others. Sure, sure. I think, um, actually, people don't ask me to, to read. Can I just read like, a little of the to, intro? Yes, I would. Oh, that would be a dream. I would love to hear that. All right, because it does have a... Um, You're like, well, I wrote down <laughs> what this is in a really great way, and I agonized over it, and I edited it. Yeah, no, I know. It's so... Please read. <laughs> but it's... I, I think because people see that I have an academic book, see that I have a PhD, I think they don't understand how I've written this, and it truly... I wrote it to be, like, in the improv spirit, where, like, it is me riffing. Somehow Kim Kardashian comes up a lot. There's weird poop stories. Like it just goes all wrong, but then it all connects at the end, um, which is improv. And so I kept all that in there. Yay. Um, So I'll read a little bit. I've got a lot of garbage to worry about. Like many people, I'm constantly thinking about how I could have said something better, 
how I could have worked harder or seemed smarter, I spend hours playing out pointless hypotheticals like what my house will be worth in 50 years if the real estate market appreciates 8% annually for the rest of my life. <laughs> of course, I plan on moving in less than 10 years, and the market is a fickle mistress, so these what-if scenarios probably aren't the best use of my time. In fact, all this garbage that weighs me down, this gray water in my gray matter, is a waste of time. It gets in my way. It prevents me from making connections with others, enjoying the moment, and effectively solving problems. It also drives my therapist crazy. I mean, I'm charming and all, but if you sat through my 10th hypothetical in a one-hour session, you'd be just as fed up as my friend. <laughs> so that's the that's the intro. It sort of sets the stage for like, why why did I write this? And, and well, it, it's it's a, it, it shows the preoccupation. It shows the temptation of worry. It shows that, you know, even going at, as someone who has sought self-help tools and gone to therapy, even then you are still subject to these hypotheticals. And I wanted to make it very clear that this is not, it is in the self-help genre. It's in that lane. But this is not a book that promises, if you read it from cover to cover, you're fixed. <laughs> like, everything's perfect. Um, it truly is something that I still do every day. Like, I still do these exercises as a way to shift my focus, be more present, be more connected. And I still struggle. Like, there are moments, you know, where I'm, I'm with the kids all day. And I'm like, I have had it. And it's, it gets a little mind-numbing. And so I'm not you know, my best self. I'm not like, but who, you know, how it, could you be? You're not a rogue. You're not. Exactly. It's in, if there's anything I've ever wanted people to get from this podcast or making this, um, it's the understanding that self-help is a, is kind of like a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's like the way I choose to interact in the world is to have the tools that I need to stay present. And by staying present in my life, I build a better life around me and a better life for those who are in my community or those who are around me as well, right? Yeah. Um, and there was something that, that you said, uh, ah, they're exercises. People accept that for athletes to maintain their mobility and strength and training, that they have to do continual conditioning, that they have to stretch, that they have to warm up, that they have to exercise every day so that they can keep their body where they want it for their life. And the journey of mental health and mental wellness and being present, for some, it is continual training. You are becoming an athlete to keep yourself going, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like my version of Sudoku to keep my mind humming, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Because with, with therapy... I'd have these great sessions. I'm like, yes, I got it figured out. I'm feeling good. And then it's seven full days before I have therapy again, even if I get a little homework. Like, it's, it's usually not something very fun. It's usually something that's going to make me focus on <laughs> terrible things. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted this to be like, what do you do when, when you are not in therapy? It's not a replacement. It's not instead of therapy. It is... Those day-to-day -day things, when you catch yourself like, oh, wow, I am doing weird math in my brain of like, what if I win the lottery? How much money? Like, what? How yeah. can I shift and pay attention to this person? Or how mm -hmm. can I, wow, I'm complaining a lot. Like there's game or, you know, games or exercises in the book to help you be more positive. Mm. Not in the fake way of like everything's perfect, mm -hmm. but like sometimes like complaining is not a really effective 
communication tool, right? So maybe it's not even, it's not like the strength training. It's more like the ice bath. It's more like the jacuzzi after. It's like, you've done all this work. Like, look at you. You went to therapy today or look at you. You're you're doing this exercise or you had seven hours with the kids or la la la. You are entitled to some rest, relief and relaxation. And playing is an access point to get there. It might, for me, it's more like the sugar that helps the medicine go down. It's stuff that mm. I should be doing all the time, right? Mm. But, but making it fun uh, helps me to actually do it, right? right? And so I, I have in there, like... Um, do you have another example of that we could share? Yeah, there's a game called Surfer Dude. Sweet. Um, where a lot of these are really brief, really simple. And this one, when I feel myself being like stressed out, I just throw in some like mans or dudes and it is just a way to almost trick myself, dude, that like the stakes are low, man. Totally. And just doing that. And there's another one that's um, called sense memory cigarettes. Um, And (laughs) we're just like, (laughs) yeah, you truly another day in the life (laughs) for me. Yeah. And I will, I'll do it where nobody can see it. Right. And I kind of will just be like, Hold it in to really get that fake mm-hmm. nicotine in. You can do this. I've added on since I wrote the book to like pot. You can do like sense memory, like pot, Yoink. which really mm-hmm. do a little joint. And it truly is just a way to like stop the momentum, stop yeah. the sort of spiraling and just start again. Right. Wow. And so it's, uh, some of them are just little, little tricks like that. Ah, I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, uh, Dr. Drinko, sir, Professor Drinko uh, of it all. Um, I, truly, this has been a pleasure. I am so glad that you have gone towards this as work in your life and that you have taken the tools that you've used for yourself and shared it in this way with others. Um, it's a lot of work to write a book. Uh, and I'm just so proud of you for doing it because I think that this, I think that if someone's lucky enough to get it, if somebody reaches out and grabs it, they're going to benefit from it. So speaking of, where can people find your book, A Play Your Way Sane, and where can they um, find more time with you? Sure. Uh, PlayYourWaySane.com is my website. It's available where wherever books are sold. Um, and I'm mainly on, uh, for social media, I'm mainly just on Instagram these days. And that's Great. just Play Your Way Sane. Play Your Way um, Sane on Instagram. Yes. And I also have a monthly newsletter. So if people go to playyourwaysane.com, you, you can subscribe and get three of these games for free. Just see what they are. Um, and then I send out a monthly. I'm always coming up with new games, new ways to sort of boost my mental health and, and shift my focus. So I give like a free game every month and just a little blurb about I also write for psychology today. So like I'll tell people this is my latest article or you can see me on this podcast or these are the books that I'm really excited about. And it's just once a month. No, no spam. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So that's playyourwaysane.com. Or if you're more of an Instagram user, you can go to instagram.com slash playyourwaysane. And, um, Clay, Dr. Clay Drinko, I have to say that we started this off with you telling me that you were a fan of me. Well, in fact, now, sir, I have become a fan of you. 
My, how the tables have turned. My, how the tables have turned. Uh, this has been an episode of Analyze This. If you enjoyed this podcast, that's so great. We have an entire backlog of fantastic episodes. So if it's your first time here, go ahead and start from another episode that you might really enjoy. Uh, you can find me all across the internet at Harto, H-A-R-T-O, except for Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash this Harto Mine. I should fix that. Anyway, everybody, thank you again, Clay. And thank you for listening, earbuds. Uh, have a great day. See you next week. Bye. Thank you, Hannah.